Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The Big 12 beat the Pac-12 in conference realignment. Can they do it now on the field in 2023? That is today's question. This is Crystal Ball College Football's The Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. You all can find us wherever you all get your podcasts and here on YouTube. Folks, please, please, please subscribe. Help us reach the mark of 12,000 subscribers by the beginning of the football season. We're closing in on it now. Thought we're going to make it. Not sure we are now. 150 is what we need here in the next week. So please help us subscribe. Tell your friends. If you all have not hit that subscribe button yet, uh, like the videos. Make sure you do it every single time as well. Leave comments. It always helps too. And leave me your all's burning questions for the Big 12. I'll answer them later on this week. Find us on X slash Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, I should say. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore. The show is at NWPod365. I always appreciate your all's interactions there. And uh, yeah, five-star reviews wherever you all get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those places. Uh, and leave a, leave a review there too. It's always nice when you all do that. Okay, so I mentioned this from the offset. And I saw we had a show about this the other day on Crystal Ball College Football. But I wanted to kind of take it out from this angle. So we know the Big 12 in the grand scheme of things has beaten the Pac-12 when it comes to conference realignment, right? The leadership of Brett Yormark shone through in that moment. We talked about the places where Brett Yormark makes a difference. He makes a difference with the television companies. He makes a difference when it comes to decision-making and getting the Big 12 uh, teams on the right pace. Uh, kind of on the on the right uh, pacing together, if you will, the right foot forward, the decision making. That is where Brett Yormark makes his big difference. Um, you know, when it comes to conference realignment, he makes a difference. When it comes to things like trying out new things like Big 12 Mexico, that is where Brett Yormark makes his money. That's where he makes his difference. That is where he beat out George Klyavkov of the Pac-12. The place where he does not and the conference cannot uh, rely on their leadership to win, at least at the administrative level, is on the field. And one of the large ironies of the results of conference realignment has been this, that the Pac-12 is on the cusp of what we believe to be one of its best football seasons in recent memory. And after that football season is going to happen, it looks like the conference is essentially going to completely disband, right? Uh, USC and UCLA are going to leave. Washington and Oregon are going to leave. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are all going to leave. That is one of the large ironies of this situation. That being said, there are a lot of really strong schools in that group. So today, we're going to look at all of the conferences and ask, where does the Big 12 fit in? And in that race for third, can they beat out the ACC? And can they beat out the Pac-12? First, if we're going to go there, we have to establish 
why is everybody everybody fighting for third place? Well, if you go to the Associated Press top 25 poll for this season, I think we're going to find an answer to that very question. If you look up top, we've got Georgia, we have got Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. The top five is riddled with five schools from those two conferences. Then you hit USC, which is, and, and, and folks, this conversation, let's be, let's be clear about this. Texas and Oklahoma are Big 12 schools. USC and UCLA are uh, Pac-12 schools. Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Like basically, conference realignment's not happening yet. We're talking about can you be better on the field in these conferences? Some have eaten some in conference realignment. Can you be the third best conference, first best conference, second best conference? I think there is a legit fight at the top this year. I think the SEC has more depth than the Big Ten. I do think there's a good chance that the top of the Big Ten might be better than the top of the SEC, right? So we look at that top seven. There are three SEC schools. There are three Big Ten schools, and there is one school out of the Pac-12. That school is USC. Then you have ACC with Florida State, the ACC with Clemson. Then you have Washington, Texas, and so on and so forth. And then we kind of go down the line. But when it comes to that battle for number one, folks, I'm not sold. I know this is a Big 12 show, but I think kind of we're, we're setting the order of things here, right? We're taking stock of everything going on. I'm not sold that the SEC is automatically better. I'm not sold that at the top. Georgia, they deserve to be number one. Alabama, they're number four. Then LSU is number five. Then you've got Michigan at number two, Ohio State at number three excuse me, and Penn State at number seven. I think, and this is once again going into the year, I'm a believer that Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are a better three than Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. And a big reason why is the quarterback spot for those three schools I think is a little bit better. Now, it's actually funny. Think about how unproven the quarterback spot is for a lot of these schools. Georgia. It's Carson Beck, who we have not seen a lot of. J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, we have seen a lot of. Uh, we do not know who's going to be the starter at Ohio State. We do not know who's going to be the starter at Alabama. LSU's got Jaden Daniels, but Jaden Daniels, to me, means needs to meaningfully get better if we're going to make any proclamation about what kind of, you know, the, the chances for LSU. Yes, does LSU have elite talent at a lot of the positions, that matter. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, Harold Perkins might be the best defensive player in all of college football. They're good at all three levels. They've got good receivers. They've got good running backs. They should be pretty decent up front this year. People are pretty high on LSU and their chances to win the West. But Jaden Daniels, to me, at times can be a limiting factor. We've seen games where he's had his moments where he's fantastic. I think the game against Georgia, he had really strong moments, but also he had some bad moments. And then uh, I, I think he was playing that game against Arkansas last year. Where, you know, he was, he was you know, kind of hit or miss with how he's playing in that game. So I've got some questions at the top there. But what I do think is as we go along, 
there are more questions for the Big Ten as, as we get further down the line, right? Tennessee is up there, obviously. We see them. You know, we see Wisconsin uh, down the line. We see Ole Miss and AM. And I think that with that, like, you know, and I've actually got some questions. You know, I think the SEC West might cannibalize itself. The problem is, you know, for them, they're, them cannibalizing themselves, and we saw it last year, at least this season could knock them out of national title contention. In the Big Ten uh, East, in the, in the division, you know, where it's, where it's Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, I, I don't think they're going to cannibalize themselves in you know, the top might, but there's just more depth down the line in the rest of the division. Uh, you know, in, in, or excuse me, in the rest of the SEC West and as compared to the Big Ten East. So I'm a believer that the SEC is still top dog. I think it's more because of the depth, though. It's because of the A&Ms of the world. It's because of the old misses of the world. It's because of the Arkansas of the world, the Mississippi States of the world. I like them more than the Wisconsin's, than the Iowa's, uh, and what have you, Michigan State's. I think that's where the SEC kind of makes their a makes that advantage. So I'm still giving them the one spot, but the Big Ten is the next spot. They are definitely number two in this situation. All right, so then you get the, the question of who is number three. Well, I think that there is a compelling argument to be made that heading into the year, the ACC looks to be number three with Florida State and Clemson, but past those two schools. Who do you really trust in this league? Notre Dame is not a member of the ACC, so they cannot be counted. North Carolina, we've seen them come with the hype before when Sam Howell was the trigger man heading into the season. But let's be honest, folks, like that didn't pan out for them too well. You think about the ACC, uh, you know, you think about them heading into this year, you think about the standings for them, you know, what would happen last year, and who do we actually trust past Florida State and past Clemson, well, it's it's kind of hard to say, right? Think about who's in that league this year. All right, Clemson, FSU, yes, but Boston College, no. Duke, we like what Mel Mike Elko is doing. It's a pretty average group. Georgia Tech's trying to rebuild. People like Louisville's schedule, but do we trust the Louisville Cardinal football team as a whole? I don't think so. Miami, they recruit well, but they're not that good. NC State's consistently good, so I'll give them an edge. You know, I'll say it's it's a nice school. Uh, North Carolina, you know, solid, but they're just kind of held up right now by the uh, you know by uh, a quarterback. Not really much depth behind it. Pitts normally pretty good, but they look like they took a step back this year. Syracuse not very good. UVA is a mess. Virginia Tech's a mess, and Wake Forest just lost their quarterback and their best receiver is out for the season. So there's a lot of questions down the line, and I am I am kind of wondering, okay. Is a middle class of Duke, Louisville, NC State, and Miami better than what some of the Pac-12 is putting forward and better than what some of the Big 12 is going to put forward this year, right? So I will posit to you that I think the Clemson and Florida State top tier, top class, the one, the two, is probably the best out of the next three leagues. Like I'll take Clemson and FSU over USC and Washington, and I'll take that pan, uh, tandem as well over Texas and K-State. I actually would probably give Texas and K-State a bit more of an edge than I would the, the Pac-12s next to, but the Pac-12, we'll get to them in a second, they're in more of the depth. We're talking about more of the ACC case right now. So 
I think the ACC maybe has the better top two than the next three leagues vying for that number three spot. But I believe that the the fall off for them, I think it goes like like you know potentially top dogs to to decent pretty fast. Um, and in the other conferences, I think there's more of a you know there's kind of more teams towards the top that you like a bit more. Uh, and, and I'm just using the preseason rankings as kind of just like just we're just using those because they're because they're there and they can help us you know uh, just place teams. Um. But then you go to the Pac-12 and you look at the schools involved at this point. All right, USC at number seven, Washington at number 10, Utah at number 14, Oregon at number 15, Oregon State at number 18, right? This is a conference, folks, that is going to have or should have plenty of depth up top. That's what you like to see. And even UCLA should be pretty good. Uh, you know, I think Washington State is always pretty average. But the problem for them is, okay, the bottom drops out, but because they have so many good top teams, like it kind of nukes your middle class, right? That's why the Big 12 makes for more compelling football on a year-to-year basis because there is not as much of a well, – last year especially, but in past years too – that Stanford, uh, Cal, Arizona – ASU, uh, you know, even Colorado as of late, like I know we all hope the programs get rebuilt and they go to the Big 12, and I think they will because they're going to Texas and they'll have more fertile recruiting grounds. I think the rosters honestly would be better. They have a better chance to build those rosters. But right now, that bottom is a bottom. And once again, I, I believe firmly, and I don't mean to be a Big 12 elitist here, but I believe firmly the fact that those schools are going into a league which is based in the part of the country that just cares about football more. It, it, it just does. I live there now. You know, Arkansas touches Texas. A lot of you, I have not lived in Texas, but I've been there before. I worked a ton of people who live in Texas. The company I work for is based out of Texas. You know, they say it just means more, but it just means more in our part of the country. Now, the Big 12 is not the SEC, but come on. These fan bases, even at the places like the Kansases of the world, do care more than they do in Palo Alto, California and Berkeley, California. They just do. I think those programs will ascend being associated with a conference that just it matters more in those places. Um, but back to the Pac-12 strength, it should be that top tier. Once again, there is a bottom, so it kind of matters what your mileage varies on. But here's what I'll say, guys. Here's what I'll say. The one knock, like I know a Clemson go and beat anybody. I know a Florida State, I think, can, can I think at this point, going to beat anybody. It's more about them sustaining it throughout the entire year. I don't know if the Pac-12's best can go and beat anybody. USC was, you know, their most talented school last year, and they could not beat Tulane at the end of the year. They could not stop Utah, and when Utah got on to the Rose Bowl, when Utah played four at the beginning of the year, they didn't beat them. And when Utah got onto the Rose Bowl in the year back-to-back seasons, they could not beat Penn State. The one thing the Big 12 did have was a result last year where you have a TCU going and beating a Michigan, never trailing in the game after they had a perfect regular season. They go and they beat a Michigan. They did it, and they, they showed that, look, like their quality could stand out in those big moments. 
There is no argument right now that can be made for those schools. There's no tangible evidence for those schools right now that says, hey, a USC, hey, and Oregon can go on and beat other top dogs. And also posit too, the two New Year's Six Bowls, I know it's happened before they've, they've won New Year's Six Bowls, but the two New Year's Six Bowls the year previous that featured Big 12 schools. We saw Oklahoma State go and beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the Fiesta Bowl. We also saw the Baylor Bears maybe compromise, but also they go and they beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl and they just handle them on defense and shut down Lane Kiffin's high-flying offense. And once again, I know, uh, I know that what's his face, uh, um, who uh, the quarterback that I got hurt in that game too, right? So it, it does matter about you know the, those results do matter. I will say this: like the top of the Pac-12, they have more of a top that is not disputed, but the Big Twelve is going to have more of that all the way depth. I think you know pillar to post because I saw this clip circulating yesterday. And it just makes the point about all the kinds of challenges you're going to face. All right. The challenges of the Big 12 are Texas there at number 11, Kansas State at number 16, who won the league last year, beating schools like Texas. You then have got uh, TCU at number 17, one half of the national championship game last year. We'll see if Oklahoma can bounce back. I'm not even almost counting them. Oh, they'll be involved because that schedule is so easy. Excuse me, I'm going to take a step of the Celsius here. Baylor, we know they can impose their will on you any day. Mike Gundy's the best coach in the conference. We're not mentioning him at the top of the list. Texas Tech looks really strong this year. Kansas might have the best back, does have the best backfield on paper in the entire conference, and we're not mentioning them here. UCF has a giant slayer coach in Gus Malzahn. BYU's got grown men who can present challenges. So once again, that pillar to post depth of the conference, I think is what could, could push them ahead in some arguments. Now we have to see all this, how it plays out, but there's a legitimate argument for all three of these schools. The big 12 has had the depth and then last year's result to push them maybe ahead. Clemson and Florida state are a tandem that say, look, if you want to pick top dogs, they're the top dogs. It looks like heading into this year that pushed them over the top. The Pac-12 might have that competitive top of the league that could push them over the top. So the Big 12, it beat the Pac-12 in realignment, but can it beat them on the field? I think there are compelling cases to be made for all three conferences. I do think it matters what your mileage is on each of those things. Let me know in the comments. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure I've decided yet. You know, I feel like coming into the year, the Pac-12 might have a, a slight edge, but what if things play out and the Big 12 is as competitive as it has looked, you know, uh, all the way up the top, or, you know, I mean, uh, filling all the way down, and there's not those teams are getting the break speed off them, and now there's more teams in the league this year. But even West Virginia last year, guys, you know, talk about all the way depth. West Virginia has a season where they beat both the Oklahoma schools and have an absolute disappointment at 5-7. and seven. Right, Oklahoma State had a boring, you know, or boring season, bad season. Then last year, still went to a bowl game, kept that streak alive. Iowa State's defense was dominant last year, but had a terrible offense. You know, can those schools kind of still be fighters in this league and and have meaningful results?
All of those things are questions that you can ask in this league. And so I want to know what you all think about the Big 12 compared to the Pac-12. They beat it in realignment. Can they beat them on the field in terms – and I'm not just saying in the games where they play head-to-head. I just mean the overall results of the league. All right, there's one more thing uh, we also have to get into this week. We had the All-American teams uh, that, that just came out as well. Um, let's see, All-American AP. I just had it up a second ago. Let's get back to it. Uh, Big 12, I mean, represented, but but not, you know, not in a way that we were really hoping for when it comes to All-American teams. First team, you can see it's Caleb Williams, Blake Corum, and Quinshawn Judkins. Then Notre Dame had Joe Alt, uh, Olu Fashano out of Penn State. Cooper Beebe gets in there at guard, K-State's very own. The rest of the way, it's the only Big 12 player. Travis Hunter, though, will be a Big 12 player. So I think I think he's – yeah, yeah, he will be. So next year, so that's exciting. They're going to get another uh, potentially All-American caliber player. You see on defense, there's nobody out of the Big 12 conference. Second team, Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy, two Texas players, as well as center Zach Frazier. So he's getting some love there. And then on defense, we see across the board, you're seeing a whole lot of representation uh, for other conferences. The Big 12 has only got TCU's Josh Newton there at cornerback. So not a great representation for the Big 12 conference when it comes to the AP. We'll hope that the performance is able to change some of those things throughout the season. We'll have to wait and see. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on the X slash Twitter at Josh Neighbor underscore at NWPod365. Please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. And then also five-star review wherever you all get those podcasts. All right, folks. See you tomorrow.